The Digital Players Podcast. The Digital Players Podcast is a series of highly engaged interviews with business leaders who are successfully leveraging the intersection of digital e-commerce, marketing, and technology. Accelerating transformation and business growth, you'll get their key insights on adapting to the new normal, focused learning on digital transformation, thought leadership on building high-performing teams, and advice for up-and-coming digital business leaders. The Digital Place Podcast is all about how leaders enact digital change with insights and advice to help you build your team and your business. Hi, hello. And uh, so today my guest is uh, Stephen Lovell from uh, World Remit. He's the uh, Chief Product Officer uh, for World Remit. And um, I don't know if um, any of you would know who World Remit are, but they're probably one of the, I'd say, fastest expanding um, uh, payments, international payment services that, that there are in the world. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm fairly accurate on that description as such. But, um, but without any further ado, I'd like to, to, to get um, uh, uh, Stephen to, to come in on the, the conversation now. And um, really, Stephen, what I'd like you to, to describe first of all is really, you know, your background and, you know, how you've got to where you are now and, 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 and why digital product. Thanks, Gary. Um, hello, everybody. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a long and winding journey, um, but I'll try and do it as quickly as possible. Um, I started in digital, in the world of digital, uh, well over 20 years ago, um, when digital was kind of nascent and growing. Um, and I got in it through uh, the agency world. So um, was working with a number of clients in a, a number of different industries, automotive, um, breweries, uh, government, all sorts of different things, and just kind of helping them navigate the, this new digital thing that was was coming on. And you know, and, and as that journey sort of took uh, took its took its um, directions, you know, explored lots of different things from email marketing, e-commerce, brand sites, um, generating uh, user-generated content, even in the early days. Um, and, and sort of, you know, just got me um, and I was I was sort of intrigued on where it could go. Yeah. Um, I made a decision quite early on to move into the client side world and, and sort of work um, um, specifically on, uh, you know, a single kind of mission, if you like. Um, I preferred the idea of being able to see something through and delivering it all the way to the end. And I was I was fortunate enough to um, land a job at Paddy Power. Um, just as they were beginning their kind of their growth in the in the digital space, um, and you know I was lucky there because you know it's a high growth business. Um, the digital part of the business was growing in a growing market, um, yeah. and you know it was a great brand to work for as well. I think lots of people always will have heard of or seen Paddy Power around, and you know just working under that kind of brand, it gives you quite a lot of license to do things. Um, yeah. But what was great there was that um, the 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 directors understood um, what it how a customer centric should work, and they gave us the remit to say you know the product is the interface it's got to be right, and then we were able to really push the boundaries there with that and and sort of focus on who the customer is, what the customer needs, how we can serve them better. Um, and, and build a great product and you know it was it was fun times I was there for eight years and we you know 
we managed to build something which I'm very proud of and I think was quite definitive and industry leading. And, you know, the testament is that it stood the test of time because if you go back onto their app and their sites now, they haven't changed a great deal. And, and almost the, the industry standard was, was, you know, was kind of was born out of what we did in those early days at Paddy Pat. So very happy with that. Um, took some time to move on after eight years and think about where to go next. And I, I didn't want to stay in the same industry. I think one of the, one of the important things for me is the fact that the skills we have when you've got digital skills is you can pretty much um, go into different industries and apply those same skills and, and achieve uh, similar results. Mm. Um, and I wanted to explore that. Um, so I ended up going uh, for a few different companies. then. so I, start, I, I did three years at an online pharmacy business called Chemist Direct. Um, really fascinating because it was a highly regulated market and we were trying to explore um, the boundaries around getting prescriptions served to you digitally. So you, you took out the face-to-face element. Um, then following that, I, I kind of took a bit of a change of direction, went to a really big company, um, Reckitt Benkiza, who are a consumer packaged goods company who make Dettol and um, Vanish and Durex and Lemsip and other brands that you'll have in your house and set up a digital product team for them, a global digital product team for them to help them really try and become a much more digitally focused business and give them capabilities internally. So it's a slightly different approach in that I was back to, it's almost been back in the agency days of like, rather than having one brand and product I was focused on, there were over 200 brands um, and lots of different projects going on. And that was about achieving some scale um, and driving driving sort of delivery thing, delivery things at volume. So we, I was responsible at one point for over 1700 digital properties globally. Um, and that included all the hosting, the maintenance, the uptime, as well as the, the product direction that, that went with it. Um, did that for three years, got that up and running. That's now successfully kind of integrated into their, their business now. Um, and, uh, sort of came out of there and then was, you know, wanted to move a bit more into the fintech space and, and saw the fintech space as um, one of the sort of areas that I hadn't quite got into yet. And I thought that it was a place where I could learn, I could carry on learning. Um, I was really lucky to land a job at open banking for six months and, um, it was a contract role, but it was building part of the open banking framework that um, and the rails that people are building on top of now. And that mm. really gave me a, a proper in-depth kind of understanding of where, you know, I got to meet lots of companies who were reliant on the open banking rails for their startup opportunities. I met the banks and I, I worked with the banks to understand what they were doing. And it really gave me an insight into kind of what was going on. Um, and so, so understanding that fintech and payment space was was starting to really sort of uh, excite me and, and get me interested. Mm. Um, another twist in the tale, I then got um, offered a role with a insurtech business. Um, mm. So again, still highly regulated um, product that is, you know, slightly intangible. You're not shipping a box of something around. So you've got to sell a kind of conceptual product to people. But the, the intriguing part of this was actually in the, the market, the geographical markets we covered because it was developing markets, um, like Ghana and Pakistan and um, and Tanzania and, and places like that, and selling in products that um, basically large, like eighty nine percent of the population just didn't have access to. Sure. Um, so that really kind of sort of chimed with me in terms of the mission part of the the business. 
um, did that for a year, and then the, my my CEO from Paddy Power um, uh, was um, had become the CEO at World Remit, and he called me and said, um, uh, "Do you want to come and come and do what you're doing, but do it here?" And uh, the rest is is as they say history, and that's yeah. kind of the, the very potted background. Sure. Okay. Cool. Excellent. That's uh, that's really good. I, I, I guess really, you know, one of the the, the interesting things um, about the, the digital product area is it seems that you know it, it's one of those um, um, particular jobs that it, it reaches in in many different areas and many different functions of the business as such. Okay. Yeah. All right. To be able to get this right. Yeah. And um, I think, um, in essence, uh, and the question I've kind of got for you is, you know, what makes a, a good digital product manager from your point of view? And, um, you know, where, you know, in terms of the, 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 the functions that, that you're interacting with as such, okay, what, what's, what's been the most interesting uh, area for you? That's a great question. I think um, a good digital project product manager comes in a few different shapes and sizes, but at, at its essence, um, we sit in we sit at the in, good ones sit at the intersect between the business, the customer, and the technology functions, and mm. you know, and and are able to kind of almost walk the path between those and and act as a translation or a bridge between different worlds often. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the bit that really excites me is, is you know, is, is being able to get under the skin of a business and understand what is it we do? What is it we, we offer? How do we how do we interact with customers trying to then um, apply, you know, insight that doesn't necessarily have to be from that industry, but just insight about people and habits and behaviors and and understanding what motivates customers to make the decisions they do. Um, and then, and then bringing all of that together using the digital kind of aspect and, and using digital tooling to kind of serve those needs in the right way. And I think that a good, a good product manager is able to navigate in those three worlds, is able to talk to each of those different stakeholders in languages that they can understand and then, and then, and then achieve something very unique out of that and create something quite um, you know, unique for that company but sure. serves the customers in the right way. And I think that's what excites me. And that's what gets me, um, you know, it keeps me sort of motivated is that there's always a new challenge. There's always a new problem to solve. There's always a new customer to talk to. Um, mm. I was chatting to an Uber driver the other day who was from um, Afghanistan and uh, we're, you know, Afghanistan's a market we, we wanted to get into. So I spent an hour chatting to him about, you know, how he, uh, the difficulties he has sending money back. And just mm. learning about that, that how that's different from, say, someone sending money to Africa um, mm. you know, and, and the troubles they have around, you know, identity verification and things like that. It just gives me some insight and some problems to solve. So while there's, whilst there's problems to solve, I think there'll always be um, space yeah. for good product managers. Good. Excellent. Excellent. I guess, obviously, uh, uh, an area I wanted to cover was with regards to, uh, and again, this comes to, 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 to the heart of problem solving and, uh, and obviously the, the recent pandemic as such. And, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of get an idea from you in terms of, you know, how you and the, the team over there have been able to, to, to kind of respond and adapt. Yeah, we, so I joined in January. Um, mm. It was kind of the, the first um, whispers about COVID-19 and coronavirus had just just started sort of emerging and, and coming through. And then through February, um, they started getting a bit louder. And I remember having a conversation 
with the CEO in February and he was sort of saying, what do you think? And I said, it's going to get a lot worse than it get before it gets better. Um, and I wish I'd never been proven wrong on that particular statement. Um, but um, we, we went for a bit of a curve at work. Um, so initially, um, I think when the, the sort of the initial kind of lockdown started happening, we had, um, you know, because we're a global company, different parts of our business were affected in different ways in terms of, um, in terms of our trading. Um, and so we, ha- we kind of had this quite sudden ramp up of uncertainty and insecurity in our customer base, which led to a huge surge in um, customer service queries and requests. Yeah. Um, and so um, very quickly, and, and, so, and also, sorry, just to add, we had um, some of our, uh, our cash pickup locations in our received countries were closing down as part of the, the lockdown restrictions and so very quickly the first thing that we had to kind of activate and navigate was how do we as a company that operates globally react to the changes in the landscape in the marketplace and keep the customers alert and uh, informed and alert and appraised of any situation that impacts them and so you know we had to we had to kind of put a lot of our plans on hold for for a little while just to kind of say this is really important now we have to double down and focus and you know we had um we had about a hundred percent growth in the amount of people calling our contact center for a num- number of different reasons um so we pulled a team together a cross-functional team together um we uh we talked about all the different avenues we needed to address there so better messaging on the site so we built out sort of messaging tools to enable um different areas of the business to 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 push messages out to customers so that they could see what our covid-19 response was um, mm. and how that differed from market to market um we had another group of people who were, who were working with the correspondents um to see if there were any outages how we then messages messaged customers or rerouted their money so that they we were still delivering their cash to them um and then uh you know and then we had to deal with this this massive increase in customer service contacts and um you know as part of that from a product perspective we managed to launch a chatbot with a with a partner called servicebot in in just under two weeks um which ended up deflecting about 40 40 to 50 percent of the incoming calls into self-help or um, self-service tooling that we had to just to reju- so that the customer service agents could focus on the customers who really needed the help. Sure, sure, okay, yeah. So, sounds like it was um, all, all hands to the pump at that point, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Right. Okay. And then, no, no, no. sorry, just, go ahead. So, yeah, no, just to, just to build on that, I think you know, and then and then what we we discovered was that um, we ended up having quite you know a, a happier response which was an increase in demand driven mm. by the fact that some of the pay in locate the tr- more traditional pay in locations for money transfer were shutting down so lots of people were migrating to digital um so you know then we had to go right how do we deal with this side of things and you know so it's been a bit of a journey over the last few months to kind of cope with that and all while all all of that whilst trying to navigate remote work um, mm. I get people into new ways of working, new practices and new, new, new sort of meeting techniques. So it's definitely been a journey. Yeah, absolutely. I guess um, with, with regards to the, the remote working side of things, how, how have you find that? Do you, do you think you're kind of over the initial challenges or, or do you think there's still a lot, a lot more to do? I think there's more to do. I think um, we've, uh, so when I joined, there was um, 15 people in um, 
the uh, in my in my product team, and we're mm. we're up at fifty people now. So we've managed to uh, during lockdown, we've managed to recruit and onboard a large amount of people and get them into the business. And that's just my team that that's been going on across across World Remit. And I think you know we've we adapted pretty well. Our our customer service team, um, which is outsourced in Manila. Um, we managed to make them, I think it was something like 80% remote working over the mm. first weekend. And then we got to 100% in the subsequent week. So, yeah. you know, very quickly we, we adapted and got, got people equipped. Um, we got people set up and we, we kind of moved to new ways of working. We set up, you know, lots of different Slack channels and daily stand-ups that we weren't having. And, you know, we put, into th- put things in and we kind of overdid it and then sort of, trim them down again when we didn't realize we didn't need some things and actually the team i have to just you know call out the the people in in world remit i think you know to to a person i can't fault their effort um and i'm sure this is replicated in companies around the world actually you know just Mm. people's resilience of adapting and 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 just keeping focus and turning up and being there and standing up to be counted has been amazing. Um, and I'll take this opportunity to thank all of the, all of the team in World Remit now. If I can. Excellent. Excellent. No, it sounds, sounds like, yeah, what's the words I'm looking for? It, it, it's, it's very much so that, you know, all, all of the businesses that I've been speaking to, you know, people have really kind of referenced what, what the team have done and what their teams have done, sorry, and, uh, and been able to kind of pull through this, if you see what I mean. And, um, you know, I think it's a real credit to, to people out there and, and also showing that, that remote working can actually work. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, every, many people have known that for quite a while, but um, put it into, into practice, uh, in a in a in a in a and scaling it up in in the way that businesses have had to do is has been a, a real credit to the, the teams and obviously the IT people behind that as well if you see what I'm saying so uh, no so totally that's, that's great okay cool um so so Stephen during, during your kind of career and looking at and looking back at, at at what you've done there I just wanted to kind of find out you know if you could kind of share with us some of your your key learnings as a as a digital product leader as such and um, I, I, I kind of what, what I'm looking at here is really the the kind of light bulb moments that you've had and, and really been able to to, to to make a leap as it were and, and push things forward uh, and I'm just trying to trying to find out you know the one or two times that that's kind of happened to you and um, and, and what you were able to, to to kind of get from it and what, what you can share with us. Yeah, sure. I think um, I think there's a, I think there's two or three things that that spring to mind. I think the first one is around obsessing about um, customers, and I know that sounds really cliched, and and everyone would say it, but I think listening to customers um, and 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 engaging with customers is critical. I think until you really understand what the customers need, um, you can't really properly serve them from a product perspective. Um, and that and that changes from company to company, business to business, market to market. And I think it's always important to re-engage with customers at every step of the way. Um, in my last role, I like I say, I was in, I was in, I spent a lot of my time out of the country in in um, far-flung locations. Um, even you know, spending time in Ghana, for instance, going down to the market with the salespeople and talking to customers and understanding, you know, these these people going about their business, why they would want insurance, what would make them choose, um, the, you know, the insurance that we were offering, what why would they trust us, um, and get into the grips of that. I think you can never substitute that, and then a relentless kind of 
obsession with measuring what they think of you. I think it's so important that, you know, it, it, you go a little bit beyond sometimes um, Trustpilot reviews or App Store reviews and you actually talk to people and get the insight as to why they left some of the the, the comments they did rather than just saying, oh, well, look, we're at 4.3, that's pretty good. If we can get it to 4.4, that's great. Actually understanding the whys, they might have given you a four rather than a five. It's just that that 10% of an extra bit of wisdom that you can build into your product to make it successful. Yeah. So I, think, I think that would be the first point. Um, I think the second point, um, and this this kind of, I don't know, you say about light bulb moment, I think... Um, it do, I think when I was at Paddy's, I think, you know, I had a, had that kind of a bit of an egotistical streak in me that was, you know, my ideas are great and I'm going to design this and it's going to be the best product because I've had that input. I yeah. think that slowly but surely throughout my career, I've realized that good ideas come from absolutely anybody. And mm. um, one of the things that we can do in product is, is think of ourselves as curators of ideas sometimes. Um, so we don't have to be the genius, like coming up with a Eureka moment every day on what creates a good product, but listening to customer service teams, listening to your sales guys, listening to, um, again, your customers, listening to the CEO, listening to, you know, your competitors and just curating all of that together and then going, okay, what matters then for our customers and our business? I think that, that was a kind of a bit of a light bulb moment for me because it changes your aspect of always trying to have the idea into let's gather as much together as we can and then come up with the best kind of solution that's out there. So I think that would be the second one. Um, and I think the third one as well, and this is a, this is a, a kind of a, uh, an interesting one. team out is just really trying to appreciate um that in any given team um you get lots of different people and different people have different skill sets and different motivations and as a leader it's your job to try and kind of understand that and try and say well how do i tune this team together so that i get the best out of him and the best out of her and the best out of them and they integrate well with our partners um, and I think that that for me is, is, is a joy now when I'm building the teams. It's just a diversity of kind of thought that you can go out and build and just get that that mixture of ideas and bring them together in such a way that 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 again creates a great product for people. So I think, you know, just um, just 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 getting the right people in is so important to to, mm. to for success. Okay. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. No, no problem. And, and I guess, and this kind of alludes what you've mentioned there leads on quite well to, to, um, you know, an area that's kind of, um, you know, close to my heart and no doubt, obviously it sounds like it's very close to yours is, you know, building high performing teams as such and, um, and how you, you've done that. Well, you know, what are your kind of golden rules when it comes to, you know, hiring and, uh, you know, finding hiring and, and developing great people? I think um, I, I think that you can't go too far wrong um, by by thinking about what sort of culture and team you want to create, and then hiring the people into it that suits that. Um, if you if you want a really fast paced kind of um, team, you can't hire the people in who you know need quite a long time. And that's not to say that they're bad people. It's just they're not they're possibly not right for the environment you're trying to create. Um, and so it's it's really about trying to understand where you're trying to get to and then hiring for that. Um, 
someone you know people who are good in one company aren't necessarily good in other companies and you know part of your recruitment process has to be able to say well even though you're qualified i don't think you're going to be successful here um but then i think you know you get through the recruitment process and it's harder to be involved in you know i think in the, with smaller teams it's easier because you can kind of you can you can recruit everyone yourself and you can kind of you can have that sense it's harder when you're building bigger teams um, you can't be in every interview and there I think it's you know you have to have some very clear direction on you know the the qualities you're looking for in the in the people you want to hire and also the blend of people you're looking for it's no good just getting carbon copies of of one type of person because you just end up with a really lopsided team yeah. um, and so so we, I spend a lot of time with my my team just kind of talking through kind of culturally what are we trying to create um, how do we measure ourselves how do we look at ourselves from a success perspective you know what sort of but do we want you know people who are going to obsess about numbers and and kind of track that and measure it do we want tech wizards and you know and and, and if we do where do they how do we gel them all together and, and often it's you know part of my role now is is kind of making sure i set everyone up for success with structure and budget and process and and putting yeah. things around that Right. Okay. No, that's uh, that's fantastic. And and when it comes to kind of like looking at the the point of view, is, and you probably realise this yourself, is that you, you, you kind of mentioned it, alluded to it. There is, you know, the, the kind of people that you're bringing in, whether they be very, you know, tech focused, or they could be, you know, highly analytical. They could be quite, you know, you know, from a marketing bias as such. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you know, when when looking at it and and kind of thinking, okay, you know, how do we d develop people? Have you kind of got like a have you built a methodology as it were with regards to to upskilling people we so i'll be honest here we're in a process of kind of of of, of thinking about that and putting that together i think that um where we are you know because we we're quite um i mean the company's been around for a while but you know we've we've undergone a lot of change in the last couple of years and so so me joining in sort of january is almost like a bit of a blank sheet of paper for product and we started again on that and um, from my perspective, I think that when we bring people in, um, we'll generally bring people in who um, show the right level of passion and empathy. I think empathy is a, a good thing to try and get your head around. If if people don't empathise with the problem or the customer set that they're trying to solve for, they're not gonna they're not gonna do a great job. And then I think often it's about giving them um, two sets of, or working on their skill sets in two areas. So the first area is internally how do they engage with stakeholders um, and how do they how do we get the right level of process in place so that it's enough for control but not enough to get in the way yeah and then and then the second bit is you know what what sort of almost specialist skill sets do, do people need to have and that will vary from role to role so you know we've got people in fraud and compliance who need very specialist technical knowledge to understand you know, what product priorities to put in place, how to work with third parties, what mm. regulatory reporting systems we might need to interact with, um, what regulatory controls are in place that we need to take care of. I sure. think that, that's quite specialist. On the other side, you might have, you know, as you say, the marketing people who are kind of very much working on the go-to-market side. And you want them to kind of <clears throat> not just be able to build a product out, but understand how that's then going to be, communicated to customers how that will land and then bringing that language tone of voice nuance and emphasis back onto the product is going to be important so we'll then we'll look at you know individuals 
in terms of their role set and then say, right, where do you need, do you need to buddy up with marketing for a bit and kind of understand their business or do you need yeah. to go on some external training to kind of, because it's some technical knowledge that you need to be aware of. So, you know, we try and develop that and then culturally with more group or team things, team training sessions or team planning sessions, we'll try and build that internal culture and just nail home the things we everyone should be looking at. Um, so currently we're planning um, a, a sort of a Q4 planning session. Um, we're going to try, you go back to the pandemic thing, we're trying to work out how we can do it part, like we can allow for people to be remote, but also have some people in the office and kind of make sure that no one's excluded from the experience, um, which, is a, which is an interesting challenge. Um, but there, you know, there we're going to work on, you know, what are our focuses for that? What do we need to land to get us to the end of the year? And how do we get into next year focused on the customer thinking about the problems we need to solve and then collectively we're all going in the same direction right i see okay sounds like sounds like you 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 you, you i well, by the sounds of it about 80 90 percent of the way there in terms of that that kind of upskilling piece so that's um that sounds pretty good from, from that i think we need to formalize it a bit more but yeah i yeah. think i think the ideas are there yeah Cool. All right. Excellent. No, no problem at all. So, so, so Stephen, kind of like rounding off now into the, the kind of the final section uh, of the session here. And um, it's really about to, to, to understand from, from your own personal point of view, you know, your insights for, for people who, who want to get to where you are, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Because I think, uh, you know, it's always really good to, to learn, you know, we've got a portion of the, the, the listenership as it were, who, you know, they, they kind of think about, you know, how can I how can I get to where someone like Stephen Lovell is? What what do I what do I need to 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 do? What you know what are the the, the key things that I that I should be doing? I think yeah, listen. I think you know there there's um, it's a good conversation that I have with quite a few of my team in terms of you know how you're going to progress. And I think um, one of the one of the key things is um, is is around stakeholder management. I think the more senior you get, the better you need to be at communicating priorities communicating problems and risks around both your your peer group um, and also um, further up the ladder um, and I think that becomes critically important um, and I think so um, as you're going about your day-to-day -day work think about how you can more succinctly communicate what it is you've delivered what impact it had why it was important um, think about how you can ask questions of people um, more senior than you uh, or outside of your team to to help you achieve your goal a lot more. I think one of the one of the kind of the, the key things is understanding that, you know, the limitations of your team role and function shouldn't get in the way of you still being successful. So if you have to break out of product to get something done and go and hassle marketing to make sure that they are, you know, marketing in the right way or CRM that your product releases are getting the prominence they need in an email, um, an email broadcast or, you know, that your, that finance understand the impact of the, the changes you're making or, or customer service, the customer service team back you up when people might call in and they're having problems, you know, mm. understanding that you have to get out of your your normal boundaries to be successful, I think is pretty critical. Um, and then I think, you know, just focus on always focus on outcomes for me. Um, 
how do you deliver things? How do you deli- how do you get there faster? How do you get to value quicker, both for the customer and for the for the company? I think if you if you keep that focus in your mind, um, you won't go far wrong. You know, because ultimately your results will speak for themselves, and that's how you'll you'll get recognised and you'll get promoted. Right, I see. Excellent, excellent. Well, listen, you know, Stephen, it, 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 it's been really interesting to, to kind of chat with you, okay? Yeah? W- one thing I'd just like to, to, to kind of go back on is the fact that you guys over at uh, World Remit, you're, you're still hiring. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah, still hiring. It slowed down a little bit from the start of the year, um, but yeah. we are still hiring. Um, across across the whole company, um, most most teams I've got got open roles and um, we are you know we're, we're lucky because um you know the twist of lockdown was that we started growing exponentially which was great mm. um which means we we've got some some ambitious plans not just for this year but going into next year and beyond mm. and so you know we're always on the lookout for um for great candidates we're always on, on the lookout for people who you know have that certainly from my perspective have that passion about customers and want to solve difficult problems because you know the mm. fintech space and moving money around the globe is is challenging. So, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from people. Excellent. All right. Listen, Stephen, it's been really, really um, uh, great to speak with you. Really interesting to to uh, get get your, your point of view. Here's some of your kind of key insights, your key learnings. It's been really fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's right. Uh, all I can say is, you know, we, I wish we could uh, we could have some time to, to speak more. You know, we could probably go on all day about this, but unfortunately, time is always limited. But really, thank you very, very much for coming along today. No problem. Thank you, Gary. Cheers. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Digital Players Podcast. Please tune in for our next episode out shortly. You'll find more information and updates on our LinkedIn page 